Toronto Blue Jay game today is 3.07 p.m. First pitch Eastern time, of course. Not some games available on Sirius XM. And to date, this is the biggest game of the season for your Toronto Blue Jays. The Jays are a really poor 13-13 and 13 in August so far. My goodness. So a loss today would mean that the Blue Jays would head into the September stretch drive on the heels of an under 500 August. Plus, as is, they've won just eight of their last 20 games at the Rogers Center and have won just one of their last five home series. So don't make it one of their last six. My goodness. From the first segment today in the Lockdown Blue Jay podcast, we'll get set for this huge game. And then as this is the Blue Jays' last game in August and the Lockdown Blue Jay podcast has a rare day off tomorrow, let's use today to deep dive the good and the bad and the ugly of what we've seen from the Blue Jays so far, not so far, but what we saw from the Blue Jays overall, I should say, in August. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Craig Ballard, Locked On Blue Jays. Yes, indeed, been Locked On Blue Jay baseball ever since I can remember my entire life. And I will share with you. I will, you know, open and honest conversations. That's what we have around here every single day as we talk Blue Jay baseball. I've never been more upset with a team than the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays. It's the worst good team that this franchise has ever had. 87 was probably a bigger heartbreak. Uh, how 85 uh, ended. I mean, there's been some heartbreaks along the way. Don't get me wrong. Last season, last season's game two of that playoff series, right? There's been heartbreaks, uh, heartbreaks along the way, but from start to finish of a season, I've never seen anything like the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays. My goodness. Of course, I want to remind you that the Locked On Blue Jay podcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And all Toronto Blue Jay action, as frustrating as it is, is available for you this season on SiriusXM. And if you're taking in today's episode on the Lockdown Blue Jays podcast, the YouTube page, thank you for that. And to the everydayers making the Lockdown Blue Jay podcast your first podcast listen every day, thank you as well. Let's jump into this game. I mean, it's a huge one. It's a pair of 34-year-old veterans this afternoon down at the Rogers Center. 20 years of MLB experience between them. Let's start on the Blue Jays side, Chris Bassett. 12 and 7 on the season, 4.00 ERA. Blue Jays 15 and 12, and Chris Bassett starts. Now, Bassett overall 6 and 3 with a 3.07 ERA at the Rogers Center. And of the 25 home runs he's surrendered this season, only eight have happened at Rogers Center. So, big picture wise, yes, Chris Bassett has been very good at home at the Rogers Center, but that's glass half full, glass half empty. Lately, it's been, has been his worst performances at the Rogers Center. Let's get into that here. Now, opponents on the season, Again, big pitcher hitting just 191 versus Bassett at home. But Bassett had, where am I going with, you know, pitching his worst so, uh, lately at home? Well, he had allowed four or more earned runs in just one of his first six home starts. But over his last seven home starts, he's allowed four earned runs four times, including his last three games at Rogers Center. Three starts in a row, he's allowed some runs. That was a 4-2 loss to the Orioles, a 5-4 loss to the Cubs, and a 5-2 loss to the Guardians. Now, the Blue Jays were 6-3 and three in Chris Bassett home starts. Not only was he doing well, but the Jays were doing well when he was at home. Now, just 6-6. Six and six. Now, is that record all Bassett's fault? Of course not. We know this Blue Jays offense is completely pathetic. Guillermo Hernandez, I've said before, you are stealing from this team. I cannot wait until he's not part of this organization anymore. My goodness, that, that whole hitting, uh, the, the, the three hitting coaches they have, got to go, got to go, and got to go. Blue Jays averaging 3.3 runs per game in the home starts for Chris Bassett. I mean, what a putrid offense. 
Now, the current Washington Nationals, they're just six for 26, no walks and seven strikeouts versus Bassett. So it doesn't have a whole lot of experience against him, but the experience he has had, he's been good. Now, this will be the third straight start. How crazy is this? This whole series, this is the third straight game where the best Nationals hitter against the Blue Jays starting pitcher is a pitcher. Remember, we looked at we looked at the, uh, jo- uh, Josiah Gray and we looked at uh, Patrick uh, Corbin being the best hitters against previous Blue Jay pitchers. Well, in this one, it's st- it's another starting pitcher, Trevor Williams, who's one for two <laughs> a lifetime against Chris Bassett. Now, Lane Thomas, you know I love Lane Thomas. He's 0 for 5 with three strikeouts. Bassett has dominated Lane Thomas. The Bassett nighttime ERA is stellar. It's 2.96. And Everdayers know, we've talked a few times this season about Whatever the the legitimate routine to get ready for a night game, especially for a veteran pitcher, whatever that legitimate routine is, Chris Bassett is writing the book on it. He's got that down pat. But when he's forced into action in an earlier, you know, earlier in the day, a day game, six point six zero ERA, the Hound on the mound. Oh boy, oh boy. To state the obvious, going to need to be better than that today. The Hound on the mound going to be opposed by fellow veteran, but this one's a lefty. It's Patrick Corbin. Now, Patrick Corbin was the opening day starting pitcher for this Nationals team. He's 9-11 and 11 on the season, 4.7 ERA. Now, 5-4, and 4, 4.89 ERA on the road. So, on the surface, you'd think he should be had. You should think, right, the Blue Jays 16-11 versus lefties this season. They should be in, in, in tall timber. Is that what they say? Uh, today and uh, this afternoon, offensively, should be able to get going. The Nats just, th- or Nats, not just, sorry, the Nats are 13 and 13 in Patrick Corbin starts. Now that's impressive. 500 for a team so far under 500. And they've won four of his last five starts. And the only loss in there, Corbin pitched great. He didn't even allow an earned run in that game. So on the, on the surface, right, just on paper, this looks so winnable for the Toronto Blue Jays. But we know the Nationals are playing extremely well lately. And Patrick Corbin is pitching well lately. In fact, the Nationals have won four of Corbin's last six road starts. Now, some glass half full, sort of, uh, hopefully, optimism for the Toronto Blue Jays. He's allowed 27 home runs this season, while 19 of those have come on the road. And righties, David Schneider, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., George Springer, you know, the the, the righties in, in the Blue Jays lineup here, they need to be on high alert tonight and, and hit a couple home runs, I'm thinking, as Patrick Corbin's allowed 27 home runs this season, 24 of the 27 to righties. He dominates the lefties. Like, for example, Brandon Belt, I don't think we'll see in the lineup tonight. Belt uh, struggling a lot the last couple of weeks and just nine for 40 with 10 strikeouts in his career against Patrick Corbin. So I don't think we see him today. Now, George Springer, speaking of the righties, Springer has hit Patrick Corbin in his career. Four for 10. There's a double in there and there's a home run in there. Now, Patrick Corbin, not a hard thrower. That's scary, right? Blue Jays usually do do bad against, you know, soft tossers, especially soft tossing lefties. Fastball's in the low 90s. His main pitch is his sinker. That's also in the low 90s. Now, his sinker, his slider, his fastball, and his changeup, I mean, they've all been hit. The slider is the pitch to be careful of, of today, though. It's been his best pitch. He, he, he has been hit around a, a little bit there, but I, I do respect his slider. With two strikes, the Blue Jays will either see the sinker or the slider today. So with two strikes, need to be ready to protect in case Corbin you know, breaks off a nasty sinker or a nasty slider. We'll know if Patrick Corbin is on. When Patrick Corbin's on, he's a ground ball machine. So we'll know very early if he's got his stuff going. When Corbin misses his spots, and again, this is what's leading to so many home runs, he misses elevated. So those elevated pitches, they need to be dealt with by the Blue Jays today. And when I say dealt with, I'm talking about out of the ballpark. We need two or three home runs this afternoon for the Blue Jays. Now, unfortunately, I mean, glass half empty here for the Blue Jays. 
he is the Corbin, or sorry, Patrick Corbin is the opposite of Chris Bassett in that he's much better in day games. Bassett much better in night games. Corbin much better in day games. This one is a day game, <laughs> a huge game, huge, huge, huge. Tough to say a must win when it's not September yet, but my goodness, we're right on the doorstep and I just rhymed off everything that's going on with the Jays at home lately. I'm, I mean, this is a must win game. This is a must win game. Now, coming up on the Lockdown Blue Jay podcast, since the Lockdown Blue Jay podcast has a rare day off tomorrow, and the Blue Jays are also off tomorrow, so I thought we you know, both of our you know August work is, is pretty much done here, so I thought we'd deep dive the good, the bad, and the ugly from what we saw from the Toronto Blue Jays in August to see which Blue Jays are poised to that need to just keep on doing what they've been doing as we head into the pennant race month of September, and which Toronto Blue Jays need to pick their play way, way up, way up. First, I wanted to talk about LinkedIn Sales Solution. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach is wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller at every stage, especially when sellers are using shallow and outdated data. Your organization can overcome these challenges with technology that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performance of top performers which leads to better outcomes like more pipelines, higher win rates, and larger deals. We call that deep sales. And LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform and the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Now, right now, you can try the LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day, 6-0, that's legit, free trial at linkedin.com slash locked on. That's linkedin.com slash locked on for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash locked on and get started. Five months into the six-month season, today is game 134 of 162, and today ends the August portion of the Toronto Blue Jays schedule. So let's take a look at what we saw, the good we saw in August, the bad we saw in August, and the ugly that we saw in August as it pertains to Toronto Blue Jay baseball. Now, of course, as per usual, we start with the good. Davis Schneider. Already has a higher war than than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is hitting. I mean, you, you know the numbers, just incredible. Great approach at the plate. He was devastatingly, devastatingly bad in the ninth inning yesterday. Could have been the hero. And it, it was his bat that even had the Blue Jays in the game yesterday, granted, but just a devastatingly bad at bat in that ninth inning. Rookies going to be rookies, I guess, right? But David Schneider just off to an incredible start. I've already bought his jersey. Let's put it that way. I mean, he's just off to an incredible start. David Schneider was probably the best thing that happened for the Toronto Blue Jays in August. A close second is George Springer. George Springer had a good month in August. It was his first first month of the season where he hit 300. He was six for six in stolen bases, by far his best month running the bases. 13 RBIs, his best month. His OPS was just on, I mean, just a titch under 900, his best month for, for, uh, for OPS. I saw a great John Morosi tweet that the Blue Jays are 31 and 12 when Springer gets an RBI. 41 and 49 when he doesn't. And that includes when he doesn't play, of course. But that's so when he plays and gets an RBI, 31 and 12, when he doesn't get an RBI for whatever reason, he's not in the lineup or he just didn't produce an RBI that game, 41 and 49 for are the Blue Jays. My, eight games under five. I mean, my goodness, George Springer, important to this team. And he was good in August. Brandon Belt. Brandon Belt rebounded from one of the worst months of his career. Now, his April and his July were as bad as Belt has ever been in his career. We saw a bit of a bounce back in August. Now, I do want to acknowledge that these last two weeks have been an absolute struggle, but overall, hitting the 280s in August and almost half, seven of his 15 home runs on the season came in August. 
and something to get excited about for Brandon Belt as well. I want to acknowledge that traditionally speaking, September is always the best month of the season for the 13-year veteran. I've got him in the good category. I'll acknowledge the last couple of weeks has been really bad, really bad. But overall, I've got Belt in the good category for, for August. Also have Dalton Varshow in the good category for August. Uh, August was likely his best month as a Blue Jay. Hit 250. It was his best OPS of any month at 775. And he had 16 RBIs. He had 34 RBIs coming in to August. Had 16 in August alone. Now, he continues to just be the worst thing I've ever seen at Rogers. I've seen 178 at Rogers Center. Just, just, just insane. But the last few series at Rogers Center is hitting 240. And 240 is nothing to write home about. Don't get me wrong. But it's so superior. It's 60 points higher than, than what he's been doing all season long. And, of course... So hitting has improved. Is the hitting been good? No, but the hitting has improved. So I see some glass half full there. And when you pair that with the defense, which is always stellar, always stellar. So I'm gonna, I, I do have Dalton Varshow in the good category from August. You say Kikuchi. You say Kikuchi. He followed up on his two home. He, he allowed just two home runs in July, and he followed that up in August by allowing one home run. <laughs> this guy spent the first half of the season going back and forth with Lance Lynn for the most home runs allowed in baseball. August, he allowed but one. 30 strikeouts versus five walks for Yusei Kikuchi in August. Is that good? My gosh. Those five walks, that's his lowest as a starter in his Blue Jays tenure. In his first month ever, in his Blue Jay tenure anyway, where he did not hit a batter or throw a wild pitch. So the control, the command from Yusei Kikuchi, firmly in the good category for the month of August. Speaking of firmly in the good category from the month of August and fellow lefty, how about Hyunjin Ryu? I mean, every day is no. I thought Hyunjin Ryu was done with the Toronto Blue Jays. I did not see him contributing to this to this season's team. Coming back from, from injury, you know, when he went out with injury, the last time we saw Hyunjin Ryu, it wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire. In fact, he was regressing right before our very eyes. So even if he did somehow come back from this injury, how was he going to produce for the for the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays? I didn't see it coming. Well, it's here. <laughs> it's here. Three and one with a 2.25 ERA in August. Now, since that first start back in in, in uh, back at the beginning of August, remember I, I I used the the Game Time app. Shout out to to Game Time, and I was at that game. That was Ryu made his return against Baltimore. Now, he, he got he got hit in that game. I mean, what Toronto Blue Jay pitcher hasn't been hit by Baltimore this season, right? I know, yes, of course. But he's made four starts since. The Blue Jays have won all four of those starts, and Ryu in those four starts since that Baltimore game has allowed just two earned runs. On 10 hits in 19 and two-thirds innings. That's a 0.95 ERA. That's gonna work. Like holy moly. 10 hits in 19 and two-thirds innings. Hyunjin Ryu. Opponents in those four games, opponents are hitting 145 against the monster. Four walks versus 17 strikeouts. And somehow Hyunjin Ryu has unlocked goodness in the Toronto Blue Jay offense. In his five starts, the Blue Jay scored three and three. So, of course, we saw that coming. But then 11, 10, and eight. Somehow Hyunjin Ryu is inspiring the offense to score for him. Okay, I'll take it and I'll love it. How about another lefty? Let's get Yenesis Cabrera in this mix for the good. And I'm cheating here a bit because I'm going to include his four July appearances, but I just wanted to, to just, you know, big picture-wise, since he joined the Blue Jays after being acquired from St. Louis, he's had 18 appearances, totaling 16 and one-third innings pitched, has yet to allow an earned run. He's only, and by the way, he's only walked two batters. They were both intentional. 
they were both intentional. A dozen strikeouts, no walks. Two walks, but both intentional. The Blue Jays have had him pare down his repertoire quite a bit in batters. They're just simply not differentiating his secondary stuff from his fastball, and it has been <laughs> it has been glorious. It has been so fun to see. Put it this way, Yenesis Cabrera has faced 59 batters as a Toronto Blue Jay. Just 10 have reached base, two doubles, four singles, a hit batsman, an error, and two intentional walks. Yenesis Cabrera. <laughs> My goodness. My, nine holds on the season, by the way. Four of those as a Blue Jay. Plus, there's a win in there as well. So nine holds on the season, fours. He just got here. He's got four holds already, and he's got a win in there as well. Uh, Yenesis Cabrera, my goodness. How about his former teammate and now current teammate, right, Jordan Hicks? Jordan Hicks, one and two. So the two losses were tough ones, no doubt about that. But three holds and four saves. Remember, Jordan Hicks just got here as well. So to have three holds and four saves already and a win, my goodness, made his Blue Jays debut on August 1st. That first, that was that Ryu game we're talking about against Baltimore and and Baltimore hit Hicks Baltimore hit everybody that was a 13 to 3 game Baltimore hit all the Jays pitchers that day uh, Nate Pearson as well I think gave up a grand set. yeah Baltimore hit everybody that day now since then since Jordan Hicks's debut for the Blue Jays 10 and a third innings pitched three runs on six hits that's a 261 ERA just three walks and 10 strikeouts now we know from Hicks we said every day as we know when, when we when the Blue Jays acquired Jordan Hicks, we deep dive Jordan Hicks, and we said, listen, there, there aren't three up, three down innings out there. There's not a lot of them anyway from Jordan Hicks. But he's so good because his stuff is so nasty that it's tough to string together multiple hits to get a rally going versus Jordan Hicks. And he's already setting Blue Jays franchise records, by the way, for fastest pitches as well. I'm loving Jordan Hicks. Eric Swanson, my goodness, on the IL, that's, I mean... That can go in the bad category because that is so bad for the Blue Jays because he was just killing it. The the depth that that bringing in Cabrera, that bringing in Hicks, the, the depth that has come to this Blue Jay bullpen has allowed Eric Swanson to be used properly in the month of August, and he was right back to being amazing. 1-0, 2-for-2 in hold opportunities, 2-for-2 two two in save opportunities, and just one run allowed. He had a 0.96 ERA in August. Is that good? My goodness. How about one walk versus 12 strikeouts? And opponents, I mean, he was being totally overworked coming into um, up to that trade deadline, totally overworked before the, the, the Blue Jays brought in reinforcements to the bullpen. In fact, opponents hit 378, 378 off of Swanson in July. Oh my gosh. In August, bullpen back to, or bullpen, you know, bullpen has the depth now, legitimate depth, Swanson being used properly and effectively. Opponents hit just 212 versus Eric Swanson in August. So hopefully we do see him come back sooner rather than later. I've got Trevor Richards in the good category. Now, Craig, his August ERA was 6.43. Very true. He allowed five runs in August. They were all in one outing versus Baltimore. The rest of the month, six and a third innings pitched, no runs on just two hits, no walks, and seven strikeouts. I mean, the, those, those five runs, by the way, that he allowed against Baltimore, th those came in a game where the Blue Jays were shut out. So... That his bad performance matter anyway? And by the way, just like we're saying earlier, what Toronto Blue Jay <laughs> hasn't been a nightmare against Baltimore this season? Hasn't had a nightmare time, I should say, against Baltimore this season. And the rest of his August was all good. So I've got Trevor Richards in the good category. Bowden Francis closes out our good category. Eight August appearances allowed just two solo home runs and 12 and a third innings pitch. That's it. That's all he allowed. That's a 1.46 ERA for the rookie. One walk versus 11 strikeouts. My goodness. And this guy was a bullpen saver in August. As seven of his eight appearances went longer than an inning. He even had a couple in there that went three and more innings as well. Bowden Francis, when, when he's given the ball, 
He's coming out of that bullpen and performing. I'm, I'm liking him. Now, I've got two guys that are in the good and bad category. I just couldn't figure out where to put them. Let, I mean, let's start with Vlad here. Vlad on the month, you know, 260, 327 and, and, uh, on base and a 730. OP. I mean, just second lowest on base percentage month of the season, second lowest OPS month of the season, lowest home run month of the season, lowest slugging percentage month of the season. So why, oh, Craig, what's, what's the debate here? That's in the bad category, bordering on ugly. Well, why I've got it in the good and bad, I couldn't make up my mind. Is He does have by far the lowest strikeout month. In his last two weeks, he's hitting just under 300. And in his last two weeks, he's grounded into only one double play. He's reached base way more lately than, than he had been. So glass half full. I mean, three errors. Ooh, three errors in the month. Uh, he and he and, uh, and Matt Chapman combined for half of the team's errors in August. Vlad with three, Chapman with four. You can imagine, good, bad, ugly. You can imagine where we're going <laughs> to talk about Chapman. My goodness. But and, and Vlad, I mean, Vlad limped to the finish line last season. Remember when Bo was putting together that incredible September, Vlad was free falling. Vlad hit 235 in September last season. Vlad's OPS last season in September was an absolutely putrid 680. So I wonder if we're seeing better offense from Vlad lately. So maybe I'm feeling really glass half full here because there's a lot of bad again from Vlad in the month of August. But overall, I've got him in the good and the bad category. I've got Chris Bassett in the good and bad category as well. He makes his final August start this afternoon. He's 2-1 and one on the month, 4.01 ERA in his four August starts. He's been pretty consistent, right? I mean, he, he ended July with a 4.00 ERA, and right now he comes into this game with a 4.00 ERA. He went 2-0, and and the Blue Jays went 2-0 and in his two August road starts, but he went 0-1, the Blue Jays 0-2 in his two August home starts. And as I mentioned earlier, I mean, he's allowed, he's allowed four and run story in each of his last three home starts. So was there enough good in there to make it totally good? Was there enough bad to make it totally bad? I, I see a real mixture there in particular. The reason I'm confused that, you know, it, it was he in the good or the bad category for Chris Bassett is just because I, he's been unrecognizable lately at home. He'd been incredible at Rogers center. He'd been incredible at Rogers center. His last three starts though, he's been hit. He's been hit. Let's get into some bad. Kevin Gosman, two and three in August, his first losing month of the season, 4.23 ERA, his worst ERA month of the season. And opponents hit 279 versus Gosman in August, by far his worst, worst month of the season for opponents' batting average. Now, that two and three record, I mean, we know how much of that is on Gosman, right? The Blue Jays scored 12 total runs. And Kevin Gosman's five starts in August. I, I need. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm trying to trying to breathe and calm down. Here we go talking about the offense again. I'm getting worked up again. <laughs> I'll try to calm down there. But my goodness, jeez, my gosh. But overall, August was supposed to be a month where Kevin Gosman was was charging and closing the gap on his Cy Young candidacy when it comes to trying to catch Garrett Cole. Well, that gap widened in August because Kevin Gosman wasn't that good at all. In fact, I've got him in the bad category in August. The catchers, oh my goodness, the catchers. The catchers were 20 for, uh, uh, 20 for was 101, I think it was, 20 for 101 or 102. They hit under 200 in the month of, like, oh my God. Last season, the Toronto Blue Jays did not get offensive production from any position better than they got production from the catcher position. This season, just thanks to how 
pathetic Matt Chapman has been since April. The third base spot is now the worst spot. It just recently passed the catcher spot. But all this time, this whole season, the catcher spot went from best offensive producers last season to worst this season. Even as is, they're the second worst. There's nine positions in the lineup. The catchers are the second worst. Alejandro Kirk. Alejandro Kirk had no home runs and two RBIs and hit under 200 in August. Are you absolutely kidding me? Are you absolutely kidding me? Danny Jansen. Now, Jansen's on-base percentage in August was good. It was over 390, but that's because he was hit somehow. How? He was hit seven times in August. How? How does that make any sense? But his his uh, OPS in August was in the 660s, my goodness. And Kirk and Kirk's OPS in August was 500. What's just over 500. I mean, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. I'm so upset and down on Alejandro Kirk. My goodness. Kevin Kiermeyer. Kevin Kimmer, only 11 starts in, in August due to injury, but he hit 220. I mean, everything, but two, 250 on base for Kevin Kimmer. Are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding? That is, that, that should be, I'm, I'm, I'm correcting myself right now. That should be in the ugly category. A 300 on base percentage is not good at all, but it's bare minimum, bare minimum. Kevin Kimmer, two, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Whit Merrifield. What Merrifield is in the bad category in August. He hit 230 in August. He was authoring his career best season, but he's lost about, what, 18 points or so off of his batting average in August. Might even have been 20. Whit Merrifield was on pace for his best season of his career coming into August. As he leaves August, he's now on pace for the sixth best season of his career. What a plummet. What a free fall. August saw Whit Merrifield get moved into the leadoff spot. He hit just 260 with a 277 on base in the leadoff spot. This is terrible. That's terrible. Last season, Whit hit just 211 in August, but his slash line in September for the Blue Jays, 338 average, 361 on base, 949 OPS. So we've seen Whit go from zero to hero August to September last season. Hopefully that's going to happen again. Would you believe in those last three weeks, Whit Merrifield has one walk? Whit Merrifield, since the All-Star break, has five walks. What is happening, Whit Merrifield? What is happening? Jose Barrios, ooh, one in three August record. I've got him in the bad core, bad category. This is the worst month record-wise this season. Allowed more runs in August than any previous month. Allowed more home runs in August than any previous month. Struck out fewer batters in August than any previous month. Allowed more hits per start in August than any previous month. He had five starts. Jose Barrios started five times for the Blue Jays in August. They won one. They won one of those games. And we know not all on Barrios, right? The offense is so bad, but still, my goodness. Tim Meza. Now, Tim Meza was 1-0 in August with six holds. Craig, what's the problem? Why is that in the bad category? Well, August was by far the worst month of his season. He had 11 appearances, which, which totaled eight and a third innings pitched. Just two runs allowed, I mean, I mean, both from the last time out in that 10-7 loss to Cleveland. Ten hits, though, in those eight and a third innings pitched. That's not like him at all. And five walks in those eight and a third innings pitched. Opponents slashed 323 batting average, 405 on base, and an 825 OPS. I mean, that OPS is 300 points higher than any other month this season for Tim Meza. Take that in. His OPS in August that he allowed to, to opponents is 300 points higher than any other month this season for Tim Meza. And take your mind's eye to Tim Meza in August as well, because again, the, the two runs in eight and a third innings pitched, 
isn't horrible. The rest of the numbers are horrible. That isn't horrible. But what's your mind's eye tell you about inherited runners? I feel like Timmy's allowed way more inherited runners to score in August than he had at any other point in this season. Jay Jackson, of course, he was rocked in August. We're not really going to deep dive Jay Jackson because, I mean, this guy's dealing with real-life issues, so definite pass for him. Let's finish with the ugly. John Schneider lives in the ugly, so, I mean, take it as red. Don Mattingly and Guillermo Martinez, just, you guys are just so bad, so bad. I cannot wait for you not to be with this organization anymore. Hagen Danner, if it wasn't for how bad and pathetic, if it wasn't how bad John Schneider was, if it wasn't for the Alec Manoa story, there's a lot of bad things that a lot of really ugly things that have happened to the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays. And that's the only reason Hagen Danner isn't the top ugly story. Uh, oh, sorry, hit the mic there of the year on August 11th, a 24 year old makes his major league debut with tons of friends and family in the stands at the Rogers center to cheer him on versus the Cubs. Two pitches, two pitches. He's got to call the trainer and his season's over. I mean, heartbroken, heartbroken for Hagen Danner. Bo, in, in in August, Bo's in the ugly category. Played just eight games. Eight for 35. That's a 229 batting average. He's been caught and passed for the league league in hits. He's lost points off of his batting average. Now, of course, remember now, Bo's last year, September was incredible. So hopefully we get back to that. But Bo, just the 229 batting average, that's why he's in the ugly category. Yes, but not one, but two injury list stints in august for bo bichette are you kidding me that's ugly that's not bo's fault i know that but that's just so ugly and last and in my mind certainly least matt chapman i i made a comment under my breath the other day on the lockdown blue jay podcast that i hate matt chapman and, and a listener rightly said you know what I don't, you, you don't hate matt chapman but, but you just hate the production that's so right i don't hate matt chapman the person but his production i hate with a passion since april matt chapman has been the worst player on the blue jays I don't see how he hasn't been the worst player in all of baseball. I don't know that for a fact, but who could have possibly been worse since April than Matt Chapman in August? Would you believe it or not? August was his worst month. Oh my gosh. 197 in August. 256 on base percentage. Puke emoji. 532 OPS. This guy had one home run. Guy had one home run. How many RBIs did he have? I, don't, I mean, not many, right? But he's hitting in the cleanup spot for the Toronto Blue Jays, and it was awful. 15 hits all month, 29 strikeouts, almost twice as many strikeouts as hits. Are you kidding? Matt Chapman hit a home run back on August 5th. The rest of the month, no more home runs and two doubles. The only extra base hits he had after August 5th, two doubles. And after that, by the way, 24 strikeouts. His four August errors led the team on the season. I know we're just looking at August, right? But I, I'm, I'm, I'm ranting on Matt Chapman right here. On the season, he leads the team in errors. Okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. But my goodness, that's the good, the bad, and the ugly of a, of a definitely underperforming Toronto Blue Jays in August of 2023. My gosh. Now that is a wrap for Wednesday's Locked on Blue Jays podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm revved up. My gosh. I'm, we're talking John Schneider. We're talking Matt Chapman, man. We're talking how disappointing Vlad's been. I'm revved up here with a lot of, uh, a lot of upset feelings. Now a reminder that tomorrow is a rare day off for the Locked on Blue Jay podcast, but we're back at it on Fridays. We'll be getting set for the weekend series at Coors Field in Colorado. Now, for now, keep it locked on the Locked On Podcast Network and check out Sully hosting Locked On MLB. Go Jays, go. <laughs> and we'll talk on Friday.